Good evening, church. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mountains are a big part of biblical imagery. Noah's Ark came to rest on a mountain as the floodwaters receded. Abraham scaled a mountain to offer his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. Moses first met God in the burning bush at Mount Horeb. He met God again on the mountain top of Sinai, where the law was given and the covenant with Israel was established. Elijah met God on a mountain. In the whispering voice that followed the violent winds, the earthquake, and the fire that ravaged that mountaintop. It was on a mountaintop that Jesus was transfigured and glorified. It was on a mountaintop that Jesus ascended to heaven. It isn't really difficult to figure out why. On the one hand, the climb up the mountain is a sort of filter. The people who should be there are, but nobody gets there by accident. You don't wander your way up to the top of a mountain. The people who met God on the mountaintop did so because God drew them to it. And the obvious symbolism of all of that is hard to miss. You know, when you look up at the mountaintop from the ground, as it's wreathed in clouds, it looks as if it's halfway to heaven. If God was to meet man anywhere on earth, well, a mountaintop seems the most obvious. It's a compromise, a middle point between the earthbound creatures and the God who reigns from heaven above. It's actually a pretty common image in a lot of different religions and mythologies. You have the wise man or the guru who ascends the mountain to find enlightenment. And sometimes the very pious or the very desperate will climb up later to find that wise man and learn what secrets he's discovered. Except that isn't really the way it works in Christianity. The symbolism of climbing up towards God falls apart really quickly when you ascend the mountain. Because once you get up there, you can see that you really aren't much closer to heaven than you were on the ground. There isn't a mountain that's tall enough to reach heaven. And you're not even close to meeting God halfway. Now, we probably get this on the literal level. Obviously, you can't walk up a mountain to reach God. But when Paul wrote these words that we read tonight, he was saying something much deeper than just recognizing that heaven is too high for us to reach. Listen again to what he was saying. The righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. There's a lot of people who think that you can climb your way up to God. You know, if only you are kind enough, or moral enough, or enlightened enough. If only you can make yourself godly enough, well, then you could work your way up to God's approval. Or maybe the opposite, right? Maybe if you're humble enough, 
if you give enough, if you suffer enough, well, perhaps God will take note and accept you. You know, maybe. Maybe if you could rise as high as Christ is, or descend as low as Christ did, maybe that would be worthy of God's attention. But you won't. <laughs> and you can't. Because you're not Christ. And no matter how much you do or endure, no matter how noble you may be, you will never be God himself, who took on human flesh and died for the sins of the whole world. And God doesn't expect you to be those things. He isn't waiting for you to ascend the mountain to bring him down. He chose to come down. He chose to draw near. The word is near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart because if you believe with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a lot packed into those two sentences. There's a powerful gospel baked into that simple statement, and I want to unpack that with you. So one of the things you might have noticed right away is the combination of believing and confessing. That means that our faith in Jesus is neither public nor private. It must be both. As your pastor and as your friend, I hear your confession of Christ. For example, we join together in declaring that Jesus is Lord every time we speak one of the creeds together in worship. We're not praying those words to God, we're, we're speaking them aloud to one another. And we're practicing so that we can confidently confess Christ to the world. And it's absolutely vital that our confession of Christ be spoken not just thought, said out loud. Because if not, then the gospel stops with us. But Jesus is worthy of praise. And his story needs to be told. And it needs to be heard. Because it's the best story there is. And it's a story that contains life. But it isn't only about what you say. Our faith isn't just about the words. It isn't all about what we show the world. God sees the heart. He, and only he, truly knows what's in there. The gift of God is a faith that lines up with the confession we make. We belong to God through and through, inside and out. There's another pairing of thoughts in those words of Paul. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him, from the dead. So what does it mean to believe that Jesus is Lord? Well, it means that he's overall, he's in charge. He calls the shots. He sits on the throne. You can't have a proper confession of Jesus if it doesn't put him in the highest place. And that is paired with believing that God raised him from the dead which means that Jesus descended into the lowest place. He isn't just God on high, so far away and detached from our concerns. He is God who took on flesh 
and weakness and suffered and died and was buried. And yet he emerged victorious over it all. From a practical standpoint, you can hold those two thoughts together. Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You can hold those together and see that Jesus is at the highest of all positions and at the lowest. And that means wherever you happen to be between those two, you are not beyond his reach. As a matter of fact, wherever you are between those two, he is close at hand. Whether you find yourselves near the heights of heaven or near the depths of hell, God is with you. The word is near to you because he has come near to you. He's walked the road you're on before and he's on the road with you even now. He isn't hiding on the highest mountain waiting for the truly worthy to climb up to him. He came down to rescue the lowly and the unworthy. He came to redeem the broken and love the unlovable. The word is near to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are Lord of all and that you set aside your glory and honor to be near to us. Help us to boldly confess you to the world. Give us hearts to believe your promises. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and with faith to follow where you lead. Thank you for the salvation that you have won for us and given freely to all who believe and confess you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.